Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and were afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Ann Kern. And I'm also your host, Emily Cardamus. And this week, our guest is our good friend, Stodd St. Fleur, who we met, uh, as we discuss later, because he is, is he like the number one Jackbox Games fan? Maybe. <laughs> he's the coolest Jackbox Games fan. He's going to be, he's going to be very upset that I said that, but <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> We'll give him that title. He's not here to refute it. It's true. A long time chat mod for them also. And just like a, a generally lovely person. Yes, he is. And he wanted to, well, he, we basically decided what he wanted to talk about, like <laughs> five minutes before we pressed record. I think during like... During the record. Yeah, we had already yes. pressed record at that yes. point. Uh, but he basically landed on wanting to talk about edutainment games, uh, which went a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you, listener, listen to the experience but and you you didn't really have like a big touchstone of of edutainment games yeah i mean i i ultimately thought of one that i didn't think of because it's a different kind of edutainment game because it was before that term was even a thing probably we had a a computer called a peanut the ibm peanut which was designed to be an affordable home computer for children especially i mean it was it was for it had like a word processor it was very exciting when it came out which my parents decided like they wanted to purchase something for the house and for my brother and um i think they had a friend who worked at ibm who recommended that they get the peanut so we that was my first computer about the same time as an apple ii was very similar in appearance to the apple ii and um it had a game that i think came i think it came with it there was like a bundle where it came with a word processor and it came with a game and it came with a children's game that was called juggles butterfly which is like it's kind of like what you would make for a 1980s computer for children if you were super super high on something (laughs) um it was ostensibly about like learning shapes and colors, but it was these this series of weird like animations, including this clown that juggled. I'll have to see if I can find a video <laughs> to show you. I think I found one years ago of what the graphics looked like. It was really trippy psychedelic stuff. And I was very, very into Juggles Butterfly. Um, although I would point out I was probably like two at the time. So <laughs> it was very exciting for me when I was two and three. But yeah, we didn't really I think because my brother was very, very into computers very young. He had a, a an online newsletter one of the first online magazines um, that he started when he was like nine. So, you know, he was he was really into computers and it was very much his computer. So I was kind of at the mercy of when he would let me use it and what we had (laughs) for his computer. So I was much older when I finally had my own. And we didn't really have that. I think our school didn't have the money or something. We didn't have a lot of that kind of stuff at school either. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like and I feel like a lot of it too is like generational because like we had like computers in the classroom and they had like Oregon Trail and Kid Picks and all that stuff on it. I have very vivid memories of you know playing Oregon Trail and or going over to a friend's house and playing Pajama Sam but like that is like very clearly like just kind of like lodged in my brain and like the nostalgia part of my brain uh, but it's really interesting because and, and, I, and I talk about this a little bit like a little bit when we had our conversation but uh, my brother is nine years older than me so I, I kind of have this weird thing of like I have nostalgia and like fond memories of stuff that like he would play and that like was a part of like his his generation well I guess we're technically both millennials but like yeah his like age group you know so like i would watch him play stuff on the computer or like watch him play other video games so like that is also like for me a really big part of that like foundational sort of like edutainment memory of like you know number munchers and yeah um, i did play that at school i definitely yeah. i remember playing that um extensively and i believe the the word one word munchers as well i, yeah, I think I, I played both of those quite a lot yeah but it's it's like it's interesting like i think like i just i've been thinking about that because i've been thinking 
about how like the, how much that has like stayed with me personally because like that's still a thing that m- my brother and I do now. We'll like go back and we'll play these like silly games that we grew up <laughs> with, but we're both adults and yeah. you know. But yeah, it's it's a really weird. It's really weird when you sit back and you're like, oh wow, that thing has been with me for a very long time and <laughs> and is still with me now. Yeah, I definitely I diverged really early into um, text adventure games on the one end and then programming games on the other. I played um, that we had a, a basic programming thing with a turtle that you could you could program the little turtle to draw oh, for you. Yes, yes, yeah, sort of basic for for first graders. Yeah, um, programming that I was really really into. They wouldn't let me drive the robot because I was a girl. No. This is not a joke. <laughs> no. They wouldn't let me. We had one of those uh one of those little robots that could that you could make. Um, it had like paper that you put down on the floor and it could follow it. It was like yeah. a scaled up version. And they would not let me use it. I wasn't allowed to be in programming club. But yeah, and then I had uh, when I was older, there was a, a thing called HyperCard, which you may or may not remember that was kind of like early internet, but also kind of like game design. And I was using it for game design. Uh, so I was trying to build like point and click games oh, so <laughs> on funny. my school oh, computer. Oh, yes. Wait, HyperCard is what Mist is built on. Is it? Yeah. I yes. mean, I, that's definitely what I was trying to do with it. I do not think I built Mist for sure on my oh, in my school's so computer cool. lab. I wish I had. Wow, I'd have a lot of money now if I had. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's it's not too late. I could still get into edutainment games. Hey, yeah. And speaking of getting into edutainment games, then we should go to the interview. Okay, so now the question is, <laughs> do we reverse engineer this? Do we do we ask you to introduce Okay, so we're just going to do our regular introduction. As we as we whip this golf cart from side to side, um, we are getting to the section of the back lot that we meant to go to in the first place. This is dangerous. <laughs> Which <laughs> that we are going to thank you for coming, Stod. Thank you for coming. <laughs> it's a non chronological podcast anyway, yes. so why not make the actual episode? Oh I mean, well, we thank we thank people in the beginning. That's true. We do. We do we thank do. people in the beginning, and then uh-huh. we ask them to introduce themselves, right. say something about what they do or anything about themselves that they want to share, and then say what their topic is. I need to write this down. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to write it down. You just have to do it. <laughs> we can do it in segments. No, 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 no. We're gonna, we're gonna, we can do this. I like to point out. I just want to state for the record: I have not been drinking. Emily, you have not been drinking. I have not. We're not going to comment on whether or not Stott has been drinking. I object your honor this is <laughs> slandering character of the witness habeas corpus okay you have to start welcome to the show this is now the show ready we would like you to introduce yourself and then tell us what topic we're going to talk about my name's Stodd. Uh, I am a freelance game show producer. I've worked on a bunch of different shows, most recently stuff like Double Dare or BattleBots or uh, Supermarket Sweep, if that will come out, which it will. It definitely will. My topic for today is the fantastic, wonderful, amazing world of edutainment games. These are specifically uh, computer games that are entertaining, but also educational, hence edutainment. See, we did it. That was easy. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is great. <laughs> no, it's funny. I was thinking about this, like, as like as you talked about, like, all the ideas you had, but I, like, realized that, like, I feel like edutainment games are kind of a lost art now. I feel like they were really big when I was a kid and, like, back in, like, the early 90s. Um, I wasn't a kid in the early 90s. I was, like, a baby in the early 90s. But, like, in the 90s, I feel like is when that kind of hit its apex. So, like, what got you into, like, edutainment games? Were they something you played as like, when you were a kid? 
Yeah. So games have always been a big part of my life. It's it's what I know. It's what I love. When I was in elementary school, when I was young, uh, I used to get sick a lot. So much so that I had gotten pneumonia six separate times before I hit sixth grade and missed the first, I think, three weeks of sixth grade. Almost got held back for that. But when you're at home, especially back in the 80s and 90s, you would watch TV. And when you watch TV, there's only one or two things that are on usually during the daytime. You have soap operas and you have game shows. And I hate soap operas. They just don't <laughs> they don't do anything for me. My life is already whack as it is. I don't need to see an embellished version of that. But I really got into game shows. So USA Family Channel would show Family Feud, Sale of the Century, that sort of thing. So I really got into games. And in school, we had computers, you know. You know, uh, like uh, your Macintosh in, in particular. And, and it was kind of the heyday of computer gaming for kids. So you would have a set computer time. That was the time when you got to go to the computer and play whatever you want that was installed there. Now, because it's school, they only have games that are supposed to be educational. So I think my love for edutainment came from that because I, again, I loved learning. Hated school. <laughs> like, I don't like homework. Don't give me homework because I'm not going to do it. But I did really <laughs> like learning and I loved games. So the idea of a game that is fun, that also teaches you something, to me was amazing. And that's kind of where that love began and kind of spread out from there. Um, in terms of the first game, I would probably say, you know, everyone says Oregon Trail. That's kind of one of the most popular ones when you think about games of that nature. I, I liked Oregon Trail, but for me, it will always be where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? That for me is kind of the first game that I remember getting hooked onto. And still to this day, it still holds up very, very well. And I remember playing it on a Apple II or, or whatnot. So it's black and white and Scantron printing, uh, you know, and all that, all that other <laughs> crazy stuff. Uh, and, and it was, I used to play it at school and also my, I think she was my second grade teacher. She had a computer at her place and she lived a stone's throw away from the school. So sometimes when my mom was working late, she would babysit me and she had a computer and I would go and play that game on her computer all the time. And this was back in the day with that game in particular, where it also came with a world almanac. So you have to imagine this is in the heyday of sharing. So, you know, I put something on the floppy disk and I hand it over to you and then you share it to somebody else. So you, they had what we know now as uh, DRM back then was basically, hey, you're doing a great job. By the way, what's the bolded word on page 425? And if you <laughs> right. could not answer that question, you did not get a promotion. You could play the game as many times as you want. If you couldn't answer that simple question, you're just stuck as a gumshoe. And that hits a bit close to home now, but it, it, it was, it was, it's kind of fascinating, but it, it required you to look through and, and find some stuff. Again, that game in particular really bolstered my love for games and learning in general. And it opened a world to a whole host of other different games and edutainment games because our, our library would get more and they'd bring them in and install them. And it, like, like you said, it, it became the heyday, I would say, would be the mid 90s around anywhere between like 93 to 98, especially in uh, 95, 96. Other big ones are like uh, there's a company called uh, The Learning Company. 
and they made a series of games called Super Solvers. Super Solvers was a series of games where you were a kid who lived in a city called Shady Glen. And Shady Glen is a normal city, except for this one asshole named Morty Maxwell, <laughs> aka the Master of Mischief. And all he wanted to do was just fuck around. There was a game called Midnight Rescue, which was about weeding comprehension. The synopsis of that is Morty Maxwell has taken over the school at like 9 p.m. on, I want to say, like a Friday night when no one's there. And he built these robots that have this invisible ink. And you, as a super solver, are going to go and stop him by reading stuff that you find in school. But you also have to take pictures of these robots. And you have to figure out which one of the robots is actually uh, the Master of Mischief in disguise. And you only have until midnight to figure it out. Because if you don't figure it out, then you and the whole school disappears and the game's over. High stakes. <laughs> this is absolutely a real game. There are, there are a bunch of games just like that. And they were awesome. If you don't do anything else, you should check out this game. That's like a synopsis of it right there. So those are the little robots. And he's one of those robots. And so what you do is you go around the school and you take pictures of these of these silly, silly robots. At the same time, you're also reading stuff and then you answer a question and then you get a clue. And the pictures you take reveal more about those robots. So that last picture I showed you there, those are like the four clues. Hamburger, sunglasses, rubber band, and magical. So you have to find which robot has all those four things in common. The game ramps up in difficulty. You know, you have different levels and whatnot. Yeah, it ramps up in difficulty in terms of what you're reading and what questions you have to answer and not and then also like what the rule is. So maybe it's you want to find the one that has, you know, at least three of these matching or the robots are much more aggressive because every time you get hit, you lose some time. I imagine it's like they've knocked you unconscious and you wake up and suddenly you've lost like 15 minutes. It's it's really weird, but wow, I've been talking a lot how are you guys <laughs> i'm <laughs> no i'm like you sent these screenshots and like my like that like nostalgia like meter in my brain just like broke because i'm like oh my god the like the dos like menu the yeah. color schemes like i remember playing stuff like this when i was like in elementary school you, you said this like really sparked like your love of gaming in general too like did you end up pursuing like games outside of the like edutainment realm of games like after this because of that yeah I mean, it was never a secret in school that I was always into games and game shows. You could ask anybody who grew up with me. They would tell you, Stodd wants to be a game show host. That's what he wants to do. I would even, oh, this is so stupid. I would, for study practice, because again, loved learning, hated homework, would make something called Math Jeopardy. So basically, I would take index cards and write Jeopardy clues of math on the back of them and stick them onto the whiteboard and have categories for each. And then I would host it. And so, like, once a month during math class, the teacher would allow me to host this game. And so we would pull the stuff from there and I'd read the questions, be like Alex and do this and that. And we'd do this about once a month to study for tests and stuff. And it was a lot of fun. Another thing that we did was, oh, my gosh, I'm such a nerd. Um, <laughs> uh, in eighth grade, we had a class called Current Events, which basically was every Friday we would meet up and talk about all the stuff that happened during the week. Uh, every couple of weeks, my teacher, Courtney, she would allow me to run a game of Hollywood Squares. So basically what it was, I would gather news headlines from, from the week. She would act as all the celebrities. I'd just write them up on the chalkboard. And then we'd split up into two teams and, you know, you'd pick a square. I'd read a, a little fact and then she would give her answer and then you decide whether it's true or false. And the fact that she let me do this, now thinking about it, <laughs> is ridiculous. Um, but it was so much fun and it got me interested. It 
kept me engaged and engaged everybody else as well. I think at the school that I went to, I went to a, a Quaker school for nine years. They kind of clued into the fact that although I don't like to, you know, I'm okay with taking tests. And although I don't like to do homework and stuff like that, this was a way for me to connect and learn and remember things that I needed to remember and, and grow as a child. And rather than stifle that and say, well, that's not how we do things here. They would kind of foster that and let me run with it. Now, of course, I still have to do homework, which kind of bit me in the ass in high school because it turns out, and I didn't I didn't know this at the time, if you don't do homework, you don't get good grades. <laughs> but but really, just kind of thinking back, back on it now, it, it really did shape who I am now. So to, to kind of go back to your initial question of how does that apply outside of the entertainment? Well, now that I work in game shows, I mean, I've been doing it for almost 10 years now. And that love is still there. I feel very, very lucky to be working in an industry, in a field that not only I love, but it's something I've been wanting to do since I was a child, since I could remember. And I don't know many people who can say that. And the fact that I'm still doing it to this day, all current events aside, is astounding. If I wasn't doing game show stuff, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to, to teach kids specifically uh, middle school, high school. Yeah, I would argue that you were doing homework because if you had to like do the design for the game show, you were actually doing more work probably than your classmates were. <laughs> like you were helping teach them, which means you have to have a better grasp of of the material than they do because you can't you can't ask people those kinds of questions without any handle on the information that you're trying to ask them about. So you, you were you were in hindsight, <laughs> in hindsight, you can feel good about. The the, the work that you were doing that I think you were doing more. That sounds great. Now, if you could write that in a letter <laughs> and I'll, I'll send it back to, to the teachers and maybe, just maybe they'll understand like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. So this does make me wonder, though, like in terms of the games that you were drawn to the most, like your favorite ones, like, do you think that was what excited you about a given game, the information? Was it how you were learning the information? Like, were you kind of a, a content person or a design person, I guess, maybe is the question, like if you if you want to simplify it that much? Um, I think, you know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. If I had to choose, I would say that the design probably is what draws me in first. I'm looking right now on my computer. I, I, you know, I try to buy as many of these as I can and then I make ISOs so that I can run them on, you know, on my computer. And if I look at the edutainment, I, I literally have a folder that says edutainment. <laughs> um, most of the, yeah, most, a good number of them are, you know, kind of game show themed. Some of them like Super Solvers. That's, that's a bit more of an action platformer, which is definitely really, really cool. Uh, there's one called uh, Jumpstart. Have you ever heard of that series? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So Jumpstart, for those that do not know, Jumpstart is a series of games that were made for specific grades. Like there's a first grade Jumpstart and a second grade and a third grade. And then they also did like Clue Finders and stuff like that, which was a little after my time. One of the games that really jumps out to me is called Mystery Mountain, I believe. You go to this mountain. It kind of takes place in the future. This is the cover for Jumpstart. This is a a, a, a later. Oh, my God. I yeah, remember yeah. this. Oh, holy okay. shit. <laughs> like, I just learned. So, so, so you know what I'm talking Launch about, right? Launch me into time. Yeah, wow. Uh, so jumpstart, third grade. So basically the way that it works is you're a kid, you, you go to this school, and this robot flies through the window, and his name is Botley, and he's fucking hilarious. This this, this robot, let me tell you about this robot. If, if I could have a friend 
<laughs> That's not really the way I should have started that sentence. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, finish that sentence. If, if, <laughs> if young Stodd could have had, like, any kind of robot friend, this is the dude. This guy is, like, he, he's got confidence, but, like, he's just amazing. He's a jack of all trades. Anyway, he busts in, and he's like, listen, my uh, my maker's uh, daughter, Polly, is a little shit. And what she's done <laughs> is she's broken into the professor's uh, time machine, and she's gone back in history and taken all these robots and sent them all the different corners of the history to change history. Why? Because she wants to get a perfect score on her test. And the only way to do that <laughs> is to not study, but to change history so that her answers now are canon. <laughs> uh, it's it's this. ridiculous. So what you do is you go around the mountain and there are a bunch of different mini games that you can play. And with mini games, you get clues. Uh, and then the best part is once you get enough, you go all the way to the top, to the top of the mountain. And in there, I'll show you right there. Uh, then you have to insert these clues into a machine and you have to kind of interpret where what they mean because basically she's playing a game. She says, I've sent all these robots away. I'm not going to tell you where they are but i will give you a chance to figure it out which to me i love a challenge that to me really draws me it's like all right you're not gonna tell me where they are but you're gonna let me play games to try to figure out hell yeah i'm in that's totally cool uh (laughs) so you get all these you get these things and then you see that monitor up there so normally the way that that thing works is you put on the clues in there and then it's supposed to spit out you know where the robot is when they are why they went over there and whatever however she's changed it and now it's a game show called Hollywood squares so (laughs) you get to answer questions about these things you find and it's so cool and i think they're like 40 different robots they're a lot maybe it's 20 but basically you play these games again and again and the difficulty level gets higher and higher the better that you do and that's one thing about edutainment games in in particular is the idea is the the more you play and the better you perform the game will then adjust to your level so if you're continually getting things right, then what it will do is the next time you play, it will it will put you to a harder level. Now, you can always go back down or you can just sit on the fly. That's one cool thing and one hallmark about edutainment games. It's for a specific, you know, not only for a specific group of people, but it also caters to your level. And as you perform better, it then challenges you with harder stuff because it, it believes you can do that. More times than not, you you absolutely can. Whereas, you know, with, with video games... Days and this is not an knock to them. You know, you have your difficulty settings, and and they they should ramp up. Sometimes they just start off hard and they stay hard. Sometimes they start easy and they stay easy. But I find with those types of games, the ramping of difficulty is very unique to that subset of gaming. In fact, if you look yeah. here, this is the uh, Jumpstart metric that they have. So they have you know games for every grade, which is pretty sweet. Sweet, but I don't bother with second, first, kindergarten, pre-K, or preschool or toddlers. That that shit is too easy. Get that out of here. <laughs> uh, uh, but for, fourth grade is also really good. That one is called. Uh, that's on an island. It's a spooky island. Uh, here, okay. So it's called Haunted Island, and I shit you not. The premise of that game is you go to this island. I don't know why you would decide. Hey, let's go to an island called Haunted. Island, but you go there, and <laughs> there's a teacher, and I think her name is Grumble. Grum, I can't remember what her name is, but she's a jerk because she's taken all of these fantastic students that just want to learn and be cool and she turns them into monsters that's dark so your job <laughs> is to go around the uh the island finding like their favorite things to then transform them back 
into regular kids. There's a fortune teller that, so like, that's what one of the monsters looks like. And she's like, oh no, this monster, you know, this kid, all he really wanted to do is just learn. And the teacher was such a jerk and changed him and said, so now go find this thing. I mean, I'd do it myself, but I'm not going to leave. So bye. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And so you go around, you find these things. Again, there's a bunch of different activities about math, English, science, that sort of thing. So like the stories are really interesting as well. Just kind of the, the, the conceit, the premise of like, why am I going around playing these games? Oh, because all these kids need my help. Sure. That sounds cool. If you can get past that, which you should, it's really a lot of fun and they really lean into it. Yeah. There's something so, I don't know, like so interesting about how like, how heavily themed all of these games were. Like they were deep in like their <laughs> lore. I mean, I remember later on there were like, w- like as they made more like Carmen San Diego games and stuff, like those were like, and now you're traveling through time and now the world yeah. is ending. And I'm like, this is a lot to put on me, a fourth grader. But you got, you got to get them because otherwise the world is doomed. And what's really funny, uh, I, this came up on uh, Ben Jacobs stream where at the end, you know, they do their, Hey, this, this show was, you know, brought to you by this and this and this on PBS. And one of my favorite lines is Carmen's gang is bankrolled by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and through support like viewers like you. So essentially what we're doing is we are funding their criminal spring. Sure, yeah. <laughs> this is the problem with public broadcasting. Is the <laughs> and this is why I don't donate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so we've talked a little bit about kind of why the games appeal to you or what you found exciting, but do you find that looking back on the games that there were specific kinds of theming that that appeal to you more or what i mean even beyond the theming of i don't know this one's haunted this one's about time travel or whatever or this one has robots like was there a tone or something that they had in common that appealed to you specifically the most maybe the way to word this is what for you as as a participant do you think are the most important elements that these games should have to make them appealing to children to make them fun uh well that is hmm, children now versus children back um, in the 90s because I, I feel like I think it's... it can be you as a child I mean because you have you have your own experience as a frame of reference and you don't necessarily know what kids these days are doing on TikTok or whatever it is that they do oh my gosh TikTok <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna get on a tangent of that because that's that's a whole that's a whole different conversation I don't I don't fucking understand it do you guys get it no I don't get it. Sometimes. So then pl- please explain to me what the fascination with TikTok is cuz I don't I don't understand. <laughs> and we have to we have to make a new you have to make a new podcast which is Anne explains sort of TikTok to people. I'm extremely unqualified to explain TikTok to anyone. <laughs> That's why it's you sort of explain it. It's Clarissa explains it all but I'm only going to explain some of it. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like, I don't know, it's a vague idea of of it. A vague idea of TikTok, the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think what what the elements, the the key things that appealed to you as a player, you know, I mean, was was humor the biggest hook? Was high stakes the biggest hook? Uh, I think for me, honestly, I think around that time, if it had some sort of a game show element, that definitely was an automatic, I have to play it, I'm going to be hooked onto it. Carmen San Diego is a little different only because so the computer game came first and then the show is based off of the computer game which to those who have not played the computer game have only seen the show will make no sense but to me I'm like wow that's amazing how they took a fairly linear computer game and built an entire show around it 
And it's hilarious. But I think the reason why I liked that one was because I really loved the show. So I wanted to play the game and the game was just as good. And they came out with a bunch of different versions like Junior Detective, which is absolutely adorable, by the way. In fact, I uh, sitting over here, I went on Amazon and I bought the Carmen Sandiego Junior Detective Junior Agent Handbook, which is a manual, (laughs) which also has activities for kids to do. And they also have a dossier and a biography and a biography of every villain in the game. And they have ridiculous names like Anita Day Off, Tipped Over, <laughs> Jim Shorts, Hardly Worth It, Manny Mistakes, Hugh Stinks, which looks like a little kid and a skunk were DNA spliced together. <laughs> um, and it's like a coloring book. I used to I used to make copies at school just so I could color them in. And I was like, oh, I got to get this book again. <laughs> but I think if it had if it had a game show element, that was a big one. If it was about a mystery, that was also something that drew me into it. And like looking again at all the stuff that I have here, definitely a, a, a something to solve whether it actually be using clues to figure something out or it just kind of was a guise um, was something that really drew me in. So, you know, your your super solvers would fall under that because you're trying to, you know, use clues to figure out where this person is or, or what this thing is, uh, even though you're doing the same action again and again and again. Those, I would say, are the big draws for me. And so kind of looking back now and trying to find those games again, I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I really like this game. And that's why I still like this game to this day. There are very few edutainment games that I played back then that I don't really like now. I would say like Amazon Trail probably falls onto that list. It's just not exciting. It's fine. They were kind of cashing in on the whole Oregon Trail craze. (laughs) But like, it's it's okay. And I don't play it very much. But again, looking through and trying to figure out what all these games have in common with why I like them so much. That's probably what it would be. And then that translates into what I do now, you know, with game shows and stuff like that. It, It just kind of is all it pleases that part of me. So to be able to mix those two things together is uh that's it's an instant win you know at at the very least i will i will play the game and try it now whether it ends up being a good game or not is a different story but you will definitely get me to try that game i have a i have a thought but the other thought i'm having is i'm now realizing how many of these games were and are like story oriented because i think when you say like the term like edutainment game a lot of people you'll get like a lot of people thinking of like your number munchers oh that game was so good sorry that's <laughs> or like your uh, math blaster of the one. dead or something too. I don't think I ever ever occurred to me until we started having this conversation that like there was all these like really deep stories or like there was like this wrapper of a story around all of these yeah. games. Like when you could have just like presented like a bunch of mini games that are like, and here's a bunch of questions about history or here's a bunch of math questions. Like, and it could have just been like, and it's a it, mini games. I don't know. Like here we are. But like, they really went like all these games went the extra mile to really make sure that they were creating an experience for, you know, a kid. I mean, it's like you're, tr- it's like tricking you into learning because you're just like, <laughs> I'm solving the story. Like I'm solving a mystery. And it's like, just kidding. You're learning English. <laughs> yeah. And- and you, I feel like you kind of had to do that because if you don't make it engaging for kids, if you don't find a way to hook them in that way, then yeah, you basically it's all right. Here's a question. Go ahead and answer it. Here's another question. Go ahead and answer it. And then it just kind of gets boring. Right. That's a you test know? then. Yeah. And I don't like tests. <laughs> right. I hate tests. I don't know too many people that do. I know there are people that do. So 
Please don't at me. But <laughs> if you can find a way to make it fun. I mean, essentially, I guess, thinking back to Math Jeopardy, that was like taking a test. You know, you pick a thing, you answer a thing, but it's wrapped in a game. To me, that's fun. And, and if you're able to get kids into doing that, and there is an educational aspect that is, uh, there's a word that describes when something is valid. Like, yeah, that's proven to, to work. Uh, and that word is... This is a game show now. Uh, beneficial. Thank you. That's it. There that's we go. probably <laughs> it. Yeah. You win. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's amazing. Like, I have a, uh, a 13-year-old cousin in Boston, and she, you know, she likes to learn, but she has a hard time doing it. So when I go over, I'll bring over some of my games, I'll bring over my computer, and we'll play some of these games together. And in particular, she's not very good at math. It's not because she doesn't want to. Uh, it's just it just never was something that really kind of registered her to her. So I, I brought in a couple of you know simple math games from back in the day, and the difference in attitude I see from her when she's playing it and she's getting stuff right, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I actually know this, and I'm I, I, I'm getting this stuff right." Like I don't even think she realizes that she's learning, but the fact that that is something that she's able to relate to and it works for her to me, almost brings a tear to my eye because I had similar problems growing up. So to be able to kind of pass it along and show her, look, you know, if reading from a book does not help you, that doesn't mean you're stupid. There are other ways to learn and to grow. And here's one of them. Maybe this will work for you. And if it doesn't, there are other ways, you know, and we can figure that out. So I, I'm always very thankful of just games in general. I like to believe that there is there's a game for everybody, even if you hate games. <laughs> That is absolutely, like, so many people that I know, I mean, my own experience with learning, you know, you need to find the method that works for you. And it's, I think it's so, it's so frustrating to see, like, how homogenized it is mm -hmm. um, and doesn't allow people who might learn a little bit differently to really flourish. Can we get, like, a, an edutainment renaissance again? <laughs> like, oh, now I just want, like, I want, poor, I want people to make edutainment games again. I want, I want these to be out there. Because, like, I don't think... I can't think of the last time, like, and granted, I guess I'm not, like, plugged into the, the scene, quote unquote, <laughs> but, like, I, I don't know the last time a game like this was really focused on in, in like, the in the industry. Uh, the Learning Company, I think, is still a thing under a different name. Uh, Broder, Broderbund? I, I can never pronounce that name correctly. I always assumed it was Broderbund, but I don't know, actually. I've never heard anybody, confer you know, confirm how you were supposed to I say think, it. I think that's it. I think they're under a different name. Like, they're still out there. But I don't really mess around with too many of them. I, I still think that the best games of that genre were made back in the late 80s, early 90s, and up to a little bit of the 2000s. I don't really hear too much of stuff going on now because everything's on apps. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just the way that kids encounter information is so different. I mean, I think the relationship that you had with a computer game when you probably didn't have a computer at home, there was one in the computer lab and it, you had to play whatever was on it. You know, like that, the, the way that you encountered these games and it doesn't mean you wouldn't have enjoyed them if you had encountered them anyway but it limited your choices in a way that i think um may have allowed people to play games that they they might not have you know now that there's infinite choice all of the time it's a completely different beast for these kids i think yeah i agree i guess they still do exist it's just in a different medium the thing i just posted here i don't know if you ever played the logical journey of the zumbinis no i don't think i'm familiar oh. with that one. <gasps> you've oh. never heard of the logical journey so. of zumbinis I've, I've heard it i don't think i've ever played it oh my gosh it <laughs> mm. oh boy uh i did not think i was gonna go i 
I'm going full ham on this. This is wild. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I, I, this, okay, so this game in particular, if, if you're not familiar with it, Logical Disorient of the Zumbinis is a very classic, uh, example of an edutainment game. The, the story goes, there's a race of beings called the Zumbinis, and they all live together on, I think it's like Zumbini Island or something like that. And then what ended up happening was some jerk group of people. I forget what they're called, came in and basically enslaved them. They're slaves. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat for you. Zumbinis returned as slaves. And now they're trying to escape. Um, so what you do, <laughs> this is the gold stuff. This is the gold. What you do is you can customize who your Zumbinis are and they have different features like hair color, eyes, you know, eyewear, you know, what kind of feet they have. If it's, if it's feet or, or a pogo or, um, you know, roller skates or whatnot. And then you play a bunch of logic games and you're trying to get them to Zumbini. Island. The picture that I showed you here, uh, one of the more famous ones, is uh, the Allergic Cliffs. So there are two. You see the two cliffs there and the two bridges. So each cliff has a face, and basically there's a there's a rule that basically there's all the Zumbinis can cross over to the other side, but you can use only one of two ways of getting there, and it's either you know like those who have roller skates can pass through this one, and if you don't, you pass through the other one. But using deduction, you have to figure out what the rule is. So that all of the Zubinis get over to the other side safely. You see, now Got the it. gameplay sounds familiar to me. So maybe I did play this one. Yeah. And if you sent someone down the wrong path, then the cliff would sneeze and it would bounce you back. And you see the little the little posts there? That's how many chances you have. When you run out of chances, any Zubinis that are on the left side of the cliff don't get to continue. It's very sad. But just little logic games, just little logic games like that. And I, I'm not usually a big fan of, of that kind of stuff, but it was so engaging. Like, it, again, it's just a simple either or game, but the, the skin, the wrapping around it makes it so unique and awesome that you just get really into it. And you don't even realize that, oh, I'm using logical deduction to figure this out. And that's really, really awesome. So yeah, and that, that game in particular, you can actually get on iOS. I think it's like five bucks, you know, if nothing else. It's, it's, it's definitely a fun time. And I think you need to get like, you got to get a whole bunch of them over to the island. So you play again and again and again. And there is an element of choice. You have to choose your path of how you want to journey. There's like an easy path and then a medium and then a hard one. So if you see where that campfire is at that campfire, that's like a checkpoint. And then from there, you can uh, venture off onto either side or, or whatever. Uh, it's really cool and it's very cute. And they came out with a couple of sequels. The other big game for that one is uh, the pizza one where you're trying to make a pizza for these uh, pizza goblins. Um, <laughs> and uh, so basically you use this pizza machine and you see it has different toppings and you choose the toppings you want, then you spit it out. And then one of the Zubinis goes and presents it. And then each one of them will tell you, maybe they'll be like, I want more toppings or there's something on that I don't like. So you have to logic out what it is. And eventually, eventually, if you make two many mistakes every time you present them with a pizza that they don't like they just boot you out and you're out it's very cute that actually does lead me to like the other question that i wanted to ask which was like have you revisited and like replayed these games now that you're older and like has your impression of them changed at all? I have revisited these. Actually, I've re- revisited these a lot. Uh, I did a little bit before, you know, to prep for this, even though I didn't choose the topic until <laughs> we literally just got started. <laughs> but 
Uh, I do revisit them a lot because I just find them so great and engaging. And now looking at it as a person who's older, not necessarily wiser, but definitely older, (laughs) um, you, I I look and I, and I'm fascinated by again how you take these concepts of either math or science and, and learning and integrate it into a way that is fun and engaging that I don't see too often these days with video games, which um, that, 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 that's not true. That's, let me let me back it up. Most games that I play now tend to be like puzzle games like uh, Phoenix Wright or uh, some other ones that I can't think of right now mm-hmm. because it's 737 mm-hmm. and I've been in the house for two weeks, <laughs> haven't seen the outside world. But it's clear like, okay, this is a shooter game. Your job is you're going to shoot all these people and make it through the level. And there may be some light puzzle elements here and there, but primarily that's what you're doing. Here, you're learning. That's why you play these games. But the way in which you're going to ingest that is not going to be, you know, cut and dry. And so the way that they get around that and the way that they do that to me is very fascinating. And taking that a step further, you think about in game shows, you know, they've been around since the 50s. They've been around for a very long time. So by this point, we've pretty much exhausted every iteration of how to ask a question for the most part. So the challenge is, for example, how do I ask a true or false question without just being true or false? Do you have to like go through a door? Are you like popping something on your head? And if one thing has like confetti, then it's right. And if it has goop, it it doesn't. Or how do I do a multiple choice game or that sort of thing? How do I take a very simple concept of a game, but wrap it in a theme that people are going to want to watch and play and think it's cool and engaging. And that's kind of the stuff that we're working with with Supermarket Sweep, not to lift the curtain too much, but again, trying to figure out how do you do a a multiple choice game that is literally could just be asked, hey, what do you think the answer is A, B, and C, but make it cool and engaging with some sort of cool little theme or a visual element. So then looking back at these games, it's fascinating to me how the designers and the programmers had to work to figure out how do we hook the kids in and then how do we keep them and get them to learn at the same time? Because getting the title of edutainment doesn't just mean, oh, we're just going to spit a whole bunch of facts at you. It also has to be fun. That's the attainment part of edutainment. Wow. Now I'm now I'm on like a weird mental tangent in the course of this, trying to decide whether or not take me with whether you. Whether or not Jackbox games are uh, edutainment. <laughs> I think they might be. I think they might be. Oh no. I never thought about it really. <laughs> I, I think it depends. I think it depends on which ones. Yeah. Are. Well, I'm not. I wouldn't say that as like a blanket thing for all of them. Yeah. Sure. Because I guess to some extent, like you don't know, Jack kind of dances around that idea, but it's just also kind of a trivia game. So I don't know if it quite like counts, you know? Yeah. I would say. Side note. It's funny you mention that because oh. they. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for context uh Stad just linked us before we're just like hey a visual element that no one can see Stad just linked us to a very helpful article on jackboxgames.com which is uh using jackbox games for homeschooling or teaching remotely so yeah a lot of a lot of people a lot of adults have said oh we we use these games to play with our kids and teach them about you know stuff and whatnot and it's been very very helpful which i i think is awesome and i i do agree there are some educational aspects to the games that they have so like you mentioned you don't no, Jack. I'm going to go on a slight tangent. Shocker. But the first time I was ever exposed to You Don't Know Jack as a thing was when I was in middle school. I think I was in like sixth or seventh grade. And I went to an electronics boutique. Ah, yes. <laughs> For the youngins out there, an electronics boutique was like a GameStop, but not evil. <laughs> and they had wall to wall of computer games in boxes, like big boxes, mm. about the size of books. We don't do that now, but that's 
what and I walked in and I remember seeing that big bald head for <laughs> You Don't Know Jack television. And I've always been a TV junkie. I love TV. And I saw that. I was like, I really want that. But one, I didn't own a computer because my family, we just didn't have the money to do so. And two, the only computers that we did have at school were at school. And a game like You Don't Know Jack probably <laughs> isn't going to fit into the <laughs> curriculum. Just going to put that out there. <laughs> a school advisor friend of mine named Joan, she was a very close family friend. She knew I loved that game and like I really wanted to play it. So on my birthday, she bought me You Don't Know Jack Television which was one of the sweetest things that had ever happened to me up to that point. Because I didn't get a lot of gifts growing up. You know, not to say that my childhood was sucky. It wasn't. Don't don't get me wrong. But, like, monetary things were not as readily available for me. It's interesting because, like, you know, the Cambridge Friends School was the school that I went to. You know, it was a very diverse school. Different nationalities, races, uh, sexual orientations, but also different levels of, of wealth. And it was a private school, so it was expensive. I know that my mom, who is the strongest woman that I know. We had been going through a lot, which I'm not going to get into. But I know that as much as she wanted to, she wanted me and my brother, my younger brother, to have like the best education possible. That school was expensive. And I don't know exactly how she did it, but she managed to get us in there. And I know it was with the help of those who were at the school, like the uh, you know administrators and stuff like that. So for one of them to go out and be like, you know, you've been talking about this game. You really love this game. Here it is. I bought it for you. Meant the world to me. The catch however, was that I could only play it on her computer and I could only play it if I was doing well in school. So then it really was edutainment for you, right? Because you had to to learn to be able to play it. Pretty much. And so, you know, I worked my ass off to be able to go and play that game. And I'm like, let's see, this is seventh grade. So that would make me, geez, how old? Yeah, 13 or 14 years old. I understood most of the humor. But not all of it. <laughs> you know, and that's cool. But I remember, I remember playing that game and oh, here's the other, the other place that I saw the game was at the computer museum. So we had a museum, a- another tangent to the tangent. Boston is, you know, a great city. It- it's, there's a lot of history there. It's also very famous for its children's museum, which you can find in uh, downtown Boston by the harbor next to the children's museum, which was next to a big hood milk bottle. That was a building. And it looked like a it looked like a milk bottle was the computer museum, which was all about science and technology. And they had a giant computer with a giant keyboard and a giant mouse that all worked. And you could press the buttons and move the mouse around and play games on it. It was really really cool. They had a section uh, in that museum to showcase. Uh, you know, different games, mostly edutainment games. Um, so that's also where that love came from. But one of the games that they had there was a demo for You Don't Know Jack. I don't know how that made it there. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't understand, but it did. And again, because it was a game show, I freaking loved it. This is a picture of that giant computer that I was talking about. That's amazing. Oh, wow. I, I yeah. went I went to this museum not long after it opened, but I don't, I don't remember it incredibly well like i don't i don't actually remember the giant computer i don't know if it maybe it wasn't there yet or um i just don't remember that part i remember looking at they had a lot of um antique at that point even computers like old computers 
Yep. Uh, and I remember looking at that stuff. My brother wanted, my older brother wanted to go. So I, I do remember this museum. It's super cool. It's not there anymore. It's now sucked into uh, the Museum of Science mm. and has like a little spot there. I wonder what happened to the giant computer. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> I really know, know. Uh, to be honest with you. I have no idea where that giant computer went, but I loved it. That I mean, I liked the Children's Museum. I loved the computer museum. I mean, computers in general was just a thing that I, I always loved working on and playing with because, again, we didn't have one at home. So I played Eat on the Jack at school for the longest time because that's the only place I could do it. And to circle all the way back to where this started, I do believe that the the games that Jackbox games use, there there are some definitely some educational merits to it. You know the Jack with all its crazy facts. Trivia murder party, I'd say a little less so, only because the facts are so random. It's just out there. <laughs> not to mention the murder. But sure. yeah, the other the other one I was thinking would be like maybe fibbage, mm. because it's kind of like mm-hmm. categories and you have to make up fake, you know, like and then but like you eventually learn the like real information so yes i would agree uh one that i don't think was mentioned in that blog that i do think counts is bomb core mm. mm, yes oh my gosh <laughs> bomb core is basically a huge logic puzzle yeah, yeah. that's true well and you want to teach someone how to like do like communication and coordination like oh yeah play bomb core man <laughs> play bomb core if you want if you want to yell at people any of the jackbox games will do it but that right. one in particular there i think there is an educational merit it, fun, fun fact jelly vision did come out with a line of educational games called that's a fact jack that's a fact jack basically was you don't know jack but for reading i knew they made educational games under jelly vision but i did not know um i had never looked up what they were because it would have been after my time i've never played it uh i've always wanted to but basically they would you could order cds from them about different books like jungle book or alice in wonderland or uh, uh matilda or whatever the idea was you read the book in school and now you're going to be tested on it in a, in a game show setting i wish i could have played it it reminds me of another game that's kind of like that called alien tales or reading galaxy and i'm so sorry i'm taking up all of your fucking time no like, no oh my god are you kidding me this is uh, delightful i think partly because i haven't talked to anybody in weeks uh, <laughs> fucking mood so like do not even right right <laughs> let's see this game is unique for me because i discovered this game after i was done with elementary school i think it was a little a little after my time but Again, it's another game show thing. But basically, the way that Alien Tales works is... Look at that oh, guy. Yeah. That guy yeah, is Yeah, cool. I've watched you play oh this God. game on your stream. Yes. Yeah. We. I, I love playing this game. So the, the idea of the game is you are a human from Earth who has come on to the show called Alien Tales. It's like the most popular game show in the galaxy. And they've given you a like an alien decoder so that you can understand everything they're talking about. Which I find, like, that little aside is, like, just a small little thing. It's like, we give an alien color so you can understand everything we're saying in your language. That blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's attention to detail. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, basically, the way the game works is you have these aliens who have all claimed to be the author of very well-known children's literature, such as Matilda or um, Alice in Wonderland or uh, Charlotte's Web. Your job as the contestant, is to prove them wrong by proving you know more about the book than they do. So 
before every game, you are able to uh, read excerpts or a synopsis of the book. So you don't have to you don't have to own the book, which was a really nice feature, uh, especially for those who, you know, either can't afford to buy the book or don't have access to a library. So all that stuff is there. You read that stuff and then you play a game. Maybe it's, uh, you know, filling in the blanks about stuff or answering true or false questions. You do well enough, you win something called Starbucks. And then if you progress all the way to the end of the, to the end of the, the game, you prove that, for example, uh, Charlotte's Web was written by E.B. White, not this other alien person. But then what you have to do is then you have to prove that you know about that author to win some bonus money. So you read it, you read a biography about that author and you learn all these different things about it. And it's fascinating. I, I love this game because again, it's a, it's a whole game show feel. The animation of it is incredible. The, the voiceover work is top notch and it still holds up today because like these are classic books, many of which I honestly don't know anything about. Like I, there's a book there called Hatchet. Oh yeah. Which I had not heard of. Before. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. That was like required reading in my school. Like that was like our sixth grade or like our, you know, like fourth grade book or whatever was like, you're reading Hatchet. Yeah, I think it always depended, Never read in my depended life. on your school, like what they thought was the required reading or not, which is why yeah. I read Jane oh. Eyre three times, I think, in the end, because of switching schools. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wild. But this game was interesting because uh, I didn't discover it until years later, but I love it. And unfortunately, like the only way you can get it now is by, uh, you know, buying the CD and then making an ISO and playing it on, a, on an emulator. But it's such a such a good game. So I do want to ask you a question that leads off of that about what has made you pick these games back up or find new ones as an adult? Like, and, and I don't know if it's necessarily like what made you start, but maybe what what mood are you in or what need are you fulfilling by saying, like, I'm going to play one of these games again? That Anne, is a very good question. That's me stalling for an answer. Um, I don't. You don't have to. You don't have see. to know the answer to the question. I think is is the one the one thing I will say about this show. I think you know. But all I do that that's my job. That's my life is to have questions and answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you only need half of it, right? So. Well, like this is okay. So, side note: the weird thing about this is. I, I'm telling you, I, I don't know if you noticed this, but like being on the other side, not answering the questions, not asking them in, a, in an interview setting like this flips me the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I, it's my nature to be like, well, what do you think? And I want to know more about you and, and tell me more about this so I can relate to you. And I can't do that. <laughs> right? I, and as much as I want to like, I want to be a game show host. I want to be in spotlight. But. I'd say with that, I get to ask the questions and no one gives a shit about me. And that's great. I don't have to talk about myself. <laughs> you know I'm there. I'm awesome. I get to I get to make you look great. I get to, you know, I want to make this your special day. But now that the spotlight's on me, it's very, very different. But what what's making me come back to these games yeah like what mood are you in that you think oh i think it's time to play one uh it, it's a couple of different moods i would say one would be inspiration if i am on a show and we're trying to come up with ideas for a round or a challenge sometimes i like to go back to a game see if there are any elements that i can use or you know jump off from to then create something uh, another mood would be nostalgia obviously i think there's something about just kind of going back to a very happy time my childhood was a rocky one my mom my younger brother and i we had to kind of move around a lot and uh 
I mean, you can cut this part, this part out, but I don't, I don't mind talking about it. Um, when I was six or seven years old, my biological father, who was a total shithead, basically uh, tried to kill us. So we had to get out, which means we didn't have any of our stuff. We left the apartment. We left all of our stuff there, and we moved from shelter to shelter to shelter for a while. It was very, very hard. To kind of deal with that and school became very overwhelming. So my refuge was games. You know, the idea of a game to me is to have fun, to be able to not necessarily escape, but to go to a place to do an activity where the intent is having a good time and creating great feelings and memories. And for me, that was computer games and especially at school because school was the only place where i knew i was 100% safe i didn't have to go home i didn't have to worry about anybody trying to you know figure out where i am i am surrounded by adults who not only are there to protect me and others but also care about me on a personal level it was a very small school our school was i think no more than 250 kids and our graduating class was 20 kids most of which i had known for nine years at that point but school was the place where i knew from 7 30 to about 3 4 o'clock sometimes later depending i would be safe and that's also where the computers were so when i play these games Yes, they're fun. Yes, they appeal to me from a from a game perspective. They're bright and cheery and full of music and all that other stuff. But it also brings me to a time where I felt safe and welcome. And I like to go back to that now because there are still plenty of times when I don't feel that way. And I want to be able to kind of go back to that. It, it's one of the few things that I know I can always return to and know win or lose, no matter how I do, I'm always going to have a good time. I think that's kind of one of the, the bigger reasons why I kind of go and revisit the stuff. And then to be able to then share it with others and say, hey, here's something that I like that was really cool. Maybe you'll like it as well it is always a fun thing to do because we like to share things that we like that's kind of in our nature is when you're excited about something you want to tell people about it i mean i i felt that way when you guys invited me to uh to the magic tavern uh discord hey i'm excited about this you should come in you know and i know you like it you should come and hang out with other people who are just excited about it if not more so and that's awesome. And I, I wish we would do more of that. I feel like sometimes we worry that because we are so enthusiastic about something that it's going to annoy people or people think, wow, you're just, you're fucking crazy. And we shouldn't stop ourselves from doing that, especially now, in my opinion. So I may not understand everything and I may not get all that you are excited about. But if you're excited about it, I want to hear about it. And I will listen and I'll ask questions if I need to and try to join you in, in that excitement because it makes you happy. And I think that's really important. So that got really real. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot embedded to these games for me. More, more so talking about it now than I think I had ever thought about previously. Hopefully that answers that question. Yeah, I think I think it does. Thank you, Stad, for sharing all of that. Like, I don't have a follow up thought, but I just want to say thank you. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is the the blessing and the challenge of this show is that I think that 
by nature of asking people to talk about something that they care about deeply but they don't discuss it gets down to kind of your your bedrock level of who you are as a person and that can be a difficult place to get to sometimes but i think it's usually worth it i would agree i would i would 100 percent agree I don't, I, I feel, I feel like I don't want a hard pivot, man. Like I want to, I want to sit in this moment. Um, but, but I don't really know. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, we can sit in it for as long as you like. I'm totally fine with it. it. It's taken a lot, I would say, for me to be okay with that. Um, to, to put it into perspective. And I think you know this. Last year, I lost uh, two people. One was my biological father, who unexpectedly passed away. And that was a whole, that was a whole mind fuck. Um, turns out I am, I thought I was like one of three kids. Turns out I'm one of eight, which I have to say, first of all, good on you, father. Secondly, <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't worry. He's not going to hear it. Don't worry. Uh, secondly, <laughs> secondly, but, but the, the cool thing about it is I, I, uh, I have a sister now, which I've always wanted. She's 23. She, she is awesome and amazing. And she's good at math, which I am not. <laughs> the other one was, um, our very close family friend, Nani. I had gotten that email when you came to Anaheim. And the reason why she kind of relates to this topic is because other than school, the only other place where we had some sort of computer that we could use from time to time was her place. Her and her husband, Wally, they had an Apple II and a couple of other computers as well. So when we would go over and visit, they would let us play on their computers. And so we played a lot of games like Kid Picks, Shuffle Puck, Solitaire, uh, you know, your, your, and other entertainment games and stuff like that. She was definitely a big proponent of learning and some of the games that I play now, I used to play over at her place as well. So I feel like there's a little bit of that connection. It's interesting because, yeah, I, I really, up until now, I really hadn't thought about how much of an impact these games have had on me as a person and why I spend hours, days trying to find these and find other stuff like that. It really didn't dawn on me until we started talking about it right now. I don't mean to make you all cry. That <laughs> no, is not my intention. I mean, I didn't cry <laughs> earlier. It's fine. Um, but that's me. That's uh, like, <laughs> don't worry about that. I feel, I feel like gauche, like trying to like, cause like, like we end the episode kind of being like, what's your elevator pitch for your topic? And I, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know if that's, if that works. I mean, I guess it could work if you, if you want to answer that question. Well, I mean, since things are non-linear on this podcast, That's apparently, true. since you thanked me, <laughs> this honestly could go anywhere, right? And, like, honestly, time doesn't exist right now, so... Right. So, you know, for all I know, this could be, like, the first thing we talk about exactly. when I was <laughs> So I have no idea. I, I mean, like, well, let me let me ask you this. Are there any games of that nature of, of an edutainment variety that you played either as a child or that you've recently played now that have some sort of connection to you? And it maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a computer game. I, I would argue that there are board games that are edutainment games as well, especially like Carmen Diego and stuff like that. But if there's one specific game that you can think of that's had some sort of meaning to you, I'd be interested to hear it. Yeah, it's really funny. I like I definitely dabbled in a lot of those games. 
times. Either, like, and I have very vivid memories of, like, going over to friends' houses and, like, playing Pajama Sam and, like, <gasps> Freddy Fish and stuff like that. So- like, but, like, uh, weirdly uh. enough, weirdly enough, the thing that keeps coming to mind for me is, like, just recently, um, just last year, my brother and I, like, started doing, like, game nights and stuff. And he downloaded, like, a, like, a, a DOS box so that, like, emulator so that we could play all those old, uh, like, old games that, like, we all, like, grew up with. And, and it's funny because I have this, like, relationship with my brother where, like, I'm really, he's, like, nine years older than me. So, like, a lot of my tastes come from him. And they're mm-hmm. almost, like, kind of incongruous for my age because they're, like, why do you know? And I'm, like, it's because my brother's, like, your age. Like, chill. Um, but, like, I, like, we just, there were a couple nights where we just hung out. We'd, like, cracked open some beers, literally, like, sitting on the floor of my brother's living room with his computer hooked up to the TV playing, like, Dr. Quandry. Like, we're both, like, I'm in my mid-20s. My brother's in his mid-30s. And we're both playing, like, kids' games. But, like, it was just, like, such a great, and you know what? It was still really hard. So. It's not easy. It's not. It's, it's not easy. I, I totally agree. I mean, you mentioned Pajama Sam, which was a possible topic. I, I love that series. That game is not easy. No, they're not. That's that's the other thing. Like, all these edutainment games are actually st- still pretty hard. Like, <laughs> they're pretty fucking hard. <laughs> they're pretty fucking hard. And with those in particular, it, with Humongous Entertainment uh, in particular, that's your Pajama Sam's, your Spy Fox, your Putt Putts, your Freddy Fish. Uh, side note, Freddy Fish is a girl. Uh, I know that's been the been the question. It's like, Freddy Fish, is that a guy? Nope. Pretty Fish is a girl. I never knew um, that. Yep. You've just blown my world apart. <laughs> there is... I forget which game, but they, they specifically call that out. But with all those games, what's really unique about them is you play them once. While the general story is the same, the different paths you take and the different puzzles you solve, they change. So if you were to play Pajama Sam, No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside and you play that once, you might go through one path and the different items may be in one place. And then if you were to play it again, you may meet different characters and do different things. And the replayability is, is awesome. Still a hard game. Right. Um, <laughs> still a very hard game. And also, other side note, the voice of Pajama Sam is Pamela Adlon, who also voices Bobby Hill on King huh. of the Hill. Oh my gosh, wow. I'm just here to blow your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, I, I, I know of Quandry, but I don't think I've ever played it all the way through yeah uh yeah no it's i mean it's basically like it's basically like more math there's some games that were more like weird just like agility puzzles that didn't make any sense to like have in like an edutainment game but it's a lot more like math stuff and like logic puzzle stuff and it had a very weird setup where you're like you're at a theme park and you go to play like some ring toss game or i think it might have been like a baseball throwing game but then you like pick you pick your prize and then of course you get and then it turns out the guy who was like the running the game is like a weird evil wizard and he like turns you into the doll that you pick and then what you the have fuck? to yeah and then you're like trapped on this island and you have to like solve the puzzle to drink the magic to like make this magic potion to turn you back into a person again and it literally spits you back out at the like carnival and it, it literally it just repeats like that's the game so let me let me see if i understand yeah um you go to a carnival mm-hmm. where i'm gonna assume there are no other adults around i guess because if there were, I don't think they w- a kidnap kid would have happened. Right. I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. Right. I don't want to say. You win the game, which already seems suspicious because from what I understand, Carnival game, they're skewed towards the house. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. And then you win a prize and you turn into that prize. Yeah. 
And then you go to an island? Yeah, you get like you get like sucked into a vortex, I think. Maybe it's a dimensional portal, <laughs> not sure. Don't remember. <laughs> and then at the end of it all, you just go back and you yeah. can do it again. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you could choose different difficulties. Like cuz like like in the prizes were named like I can't remember what the there was like easy, obviously, like meet like like medium and then like yeah. like you know difficult like the hard was difficult. Uh Like that was oh, the name Mech. of the doll. Oh. Mech made this. Okay. Yeah, Mech was also, uh, that's the Minnesota Educational Computing Consortium. Oh, ooh, um, how fancy. They, uh, they put out a lot of games and a lot of uh, adventure games. They're, they're the ones uh, responsible for Oregon Trail, Amazon oh, Trail, that okay. sort of thing. Uh, and I saw one of the one of the screenshots said Troggle, and that reminds me of Troggle Trouble Math and Word Munchers and stuff like that. Oh, I didn't know that was all the same thing. Yeah, That's yeah. interesting. So really, I will say a really brief side note, Oregon Trail gave me nightmares as a child. <laughs> Like, honest to God, it gave me nightmares as a child. I'm, to this day, I am so surprised how it's still a touchstone of American culture. Like, no matter who you talk to, unless you're, like, you're really, you're really young, when you say Oregon Trail, the first thing out of the mouth is dysentery. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Or, like, Ford the River, yeah. you know. Right, you, no, no, we don't do that. Someone lead me across the river. I'm not taking my chances. I want my meat. I want my 200 pounds of meat. Uh, I know I've shot many more animals than I should have. That's fine. It's no big <laughs> deal. Uh, what scared you about it? Uh, the sound effects. Interesting. Hmm. So I had a weird thing when I was a kid where, like, I um, I used... There were a couple of games on our Sega Genesis that did this to me, too, where, like, if there was, like, a weird spooky sound effect, it would scare... It would, like, just absolutely terrify me. So there was a sound effect that, like, when something bad happened, like, if you got bit by, like, a snake or something, and it was, like... I, I could not even recall it right now but like i remember hearing that this links into the fact that i'm just like a jumpy human being in general <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but like it was like an unexpected like bad sound basically that just like it wasn't the situation right it wasn't like oh my god a snake bite oh my god like your raft your your uh thing fell off the raft it was literally just the sound effect right yeah and what about you? Did you have like fun edutainment? Uh, like I think I played number. Mu- that sounds familiar. Number munchers. Uh, and there was a, a vocabulary one as well. Yeah, I did not play those very extensively. Um, I played Oregon Trail, and I played. Uh, I was very into the Carmen San Diego games. I really didn't play much beyond that, except maybe like a little bit. I think partially because I'm a little older, so there really weren't that many games. Uh, and you didn't. You had even less computer access. But yeah, I don't know why I couldn't. I could not tell you why I didn't. I don't. I think that that was not. I, I always felt like it was a trick. I think I was that kind of kid. <laughs> I was like, I don't want you to give me the candy and the medicine at the same time. I would like them to be separate. So amoxicillin is not your thing. Uh, I guess not. But but yeah, I mean, I I definitely. <laughs> I mean, I was I was the kid who would read the Encyclopedia Britannica for fun. So it wasn't like I was lacking in educational information. I just didn't. I wanted my <laughs> games to be to be fun and i i think i i mean that's unfair to educational games but i always felt like i think i felt the same way about clowns of like i don't want you to pretend that you're a person that you're not i don't like the deception aspect of it like i will i will accept it i will accept the education i will accept the game but i don't want you to pretend that you're something you're not 
That's a good segue, though, I think, into... <laughs> My fear of clowns like, episode. Uh, I'm right, not actually no, afraid of clowns. But, like, into, into sort of, like, like we could sort of have, like, a situation here, to some extent, where it's like, Stodd, how would you elevator pitch edutainment games to someone who might not be super, like, into them? And that person be, right now, being Anne. <laughs> Anne, step into this elevator with me. <laughs> as long as there's not I got, I got, I got some... Well, then, maybe you should probably go. I'd, I'd say, let's see, um... Do you like fun? <laughs> Do you like playing games? Do you like smiling? Do you like bright colors and fantastical characters? And maybe some learning? And if you like those, <laughs> you're gonna love edutainment games. Uh, no, in, in all, in all seriousness, I would, I would say it's hard to pitch now, but I guess the way I would do it would be if you're interested in taking a look at a part of technology history that was very prominent in the 90s if that's something that you're interested in, you should check out edutainment games if you like to learn in a fun and engaging way i would check out edutainment games if you want to oh boy this is tough this is also a very long elevator um <laughs> this is a tough one because like there are not many that are out there right now so it's really about if you want to experience this history that is you know like you said carmen san diego or uh number munchers uh math blaster mind maze which i just linked in there a, a bunch of other stuff and see the way in which developers and producers tried to make learning fun in an age where the computer was becoming a more and more popular and integral part of life I think you would enjoy the world of edutainment games. For the most part, they're fairly easy to run. They, you know, they didn't take a lot of processing power because you wanted to, to be able to appeal to as many different, you know, people as possible. They're also very cool. They come in a variety of different subjects, uh, grades, you know, that, that sort of thing. I, I think it's something really interesting that you should go and check out. And even if you don't want to play them, there are tons of videos on, on YouTube of people who have archived these and, and played around with them. And you'd be surprised by how well a good number of them still hold up to this day. Not all of them, but but most <laughs> not all of them, but most of them still do, especially ones that are kind of puzzle logic based because that really isn't going to be changing anytime soon. You know, stuff with like Carmen San Diego, you have to keep in mind and there's even a disclaimer on the, you know, on the game show. It says, you know, the information was accurate as of the date this was recorded. And with all trivia, trivia has a shelf life. At a certain point, it's not going to be right anymore. So you just kind of have to keep that in mind. So if you get mad when you answer a question about Tom Hanks <laughs> and you're like, "But he was in that movie." Well, perhaps that movie did not exist when this was made. But other than that, I would say it's a very very, it's a very interesting part of computer history, and uh, uh, frankly, I'll, I'll, I'll say of American history, that was very rampant, very prominent, and uh, it's really cool. You should definitely check it out. There's so much out there, and maybe it will inspire you to share it with uh, others and you know other young ones, because uh, again, like I said, many of them still apply and work just as well now as they did uh, when they first came out. So, yeah. I think that's a good pitch. You don't need my approval on your pitch, but I think it was a good pitch. But I appreciate it, and I feel validated, so thank you. You're welcome. And do you have... Yes, I do. I mean, I feel like it's um, it's maybe uh, too obvious, and I'm going to I'm gonna try to make... I'm going to give you the Bunny Slope version or the Black Diamond, depending on how you want to answer this question. Have you thought at all about if you had a chance to work 
on a game like this. Or you could say a game show spinoff of, of one of these games, if you prefer, since that's a little bit closer to what you do. Is there a game concept that you would like to do or maybe a, a new game in a series that you like? If you, you know, this is one of those like dream scenario thing you, you get to work on. You can pick whatever you want. Well, let's see. First of all, I don't know how to ski. So no matter what, I'm tumbling down this mountain. It's interesting going back to Ben's stream. If I could bring back any one kid's game show, it would probably be Where in the World is Common San Diego. I think now more than ever, it'd be a great time to kind of do that again. Now, I will say that there is that Netflix series. And uh, there's also a Netflix interactive movie, which I have not played yet. But I have heard from pretty much everyone I've talked to that it is outstanding. Just as a tangent. So e even if you're not familiar with the series, you should definitely play it is what I've been told. I haven't played it because I haven't finished the second season <laughs> and I like to go in order. But see, children's games, it's difficult because it's either this game is for learning or this game is for fun from, from a game show perspective. So like Double Dare, which I love is for fun. You don't watch Double Dare because you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear what questions I ask them this time. <laughs> so no, are that's... you telling me that I'm not going to encounter a physical challenge in my normal day-to-day -day life? You know, I feel very blessed to have lived a life where that was a normal thing for me <laughs> for a few months. <laughs> In fact, I am I am currently wearing the jumpsuit from the revival from Figure It Out <laughs> because I've run out of clothes. Oh, no. <laughs> you didn't have to throw yourself under the bus there. You could have just like, because you're cool. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I like to think so. Yeah, it's actually it's actually pretty sweet. But like you don't go to Double Dare to watch the trivia, although sometimes I do. And because it's, it's, it's very interesting what people do and don't know. But you watch it mainly because it's fun. You want to see the physical challenges and stuff like that. You don't watch, uh, you know, bad example, like, are you smarter than the fifth grader? You watch that because you want to see how much or how little this adult knows. But at the same time, you want to see how awesome these kids are. Usually, in, in my eyes, with kids' game shows, it's either all for fun or it's all about the trivia. Like, Finders Keepers is all about the fun. Do you ever watch Finders Keepers? Uh, maybe. Ooh, I, I have vague memory of it, but... Finders Keepers, if you don't know, was this cool game where you... Basically got to trash a house looking oh, for stuff. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. It's really awesome. It's really, really cool. You don't learn anything. Right. <laughs> other than throw shit around, see if you can find something. Shouldn't do it at home. I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> um, but Carmen Sandiego, for me, is the type of show that managed to mix learning and fun and humor in one package pretty much seamlessly. It's almost like a subliminal message in a way. But at the same time, the show does a very good job of making not making le learning not only fun, but making it cool I in the sense that, you know what, it's it's cool to know these things. It's cool to, to be educated. It's cool to do this stuff. And if you get something wrong, that's okay. Not a big deal. It's fine if the criminal gets away because we need to do another show tomorrow. So, <laughs> so I would say I would love to do a show like that for kids where we are able to teach but also have a very good time. And I think that was kind of the pinnacle of awesome kids edutainment, honestly. If you watch some episodes now, they are just as funny now as they were before, if not more so. Uh, Rockapella is amazing. You can't beat Rockapella. <laughs> like... <laughs> absolutely incredible the fact that they basically came up with an original song every episode is 
amazing. And you learn about stuff. And then when you look back and see like all their like clues that they have and the celebrities that they gone on, I, I know there was a there was a thread going around maybe a few years ago that Joe Biden was a celebrity guest <laughs> who may not be the best person to talk about right now. But I, I just o- overall, I, I think and in answer to your question, that's the type of show that I would want to do. Yeah. I mean, if you look at that, it's an ensemble show and they just did a really, really good job. And, and that's kind of what I aspire to do. I want to be able to create a show that no matter if you're young, old, or whatever, you you watch it, you have fun, you'll learn. It, it, it lasts for, you know, however long, and people will still talk about it 10, 20 years down the line. I can't think of a, a person who mentions that show and is like, oh, that show was awful. <laughs> um, in, in fact, I think somewhere, someone on the on Ben's stream was like, I just remember this as a cartoon. I didn't know it was a game show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a game show. Fun fact, originally, so in that final round, you know how they go around and put the markers on the map. Originally, that was going to be like, they're going to put a kid in a sphere and they were going to climb oh around. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's a bad yeah. idea. Yeah, that's originally what they that were going to do. very badly. Um, <laughs> And I think a one of the uh, potential themes that they ended up not going with was I think Where in the Human Body was going to maybe be a spinoff. I think they ended up going with Where in Time, which was good. It was good in its own right. Not my favorite, but good. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully that answers that question. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for spending this time with us, sharing this amazing thing with us. This was so much fun. Like, this was this was great. <laughs> I'm I'm so happy to hear that, and I really I really thank you for this opportunity to be able to come and uh, hang out with y'all and have all this be recorded. So, <laughs> If you want to plug anything, where can people find you on social media? Is there anything in particular you want to plug? Um, this is your space to promote, so please feel free to use it. I was waiting for you to say that phrase. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Twitch, all under the name City of Stod, C-I-T-Y-O-F-S-T-A-D. If you're trying to find me in person, I'm still at my house. <laughs> Pro- probably not going to be leaving there for a while. Um, in terms of stuff that I'm doing, uh, I mean, I-, I stream from time to time. We we play, you know, Jackbox games. We play edutainment games and other game show games like that. So definitely come and check those out. Uh, talk to me on Twitter because I'm lonely. No, no, but definitely hit me up on Twitter. Uh, that's fine. Uh, in terms of shows that I'm working on, currently, as of the taping of this episode, we are still working on Supermarket Sweep for ABC. We don't know when that's going to be on the air because we haven't taped it yet, but that should be coming on. Uh, I also worked on Double Dare, so you can watch that uh, on Nickelodeon. I believe you can buy those on uh, you know, either Amazon or, or Google Play or Apple. A couple other shows that I've done, BattleBots, which is awesome if you like to see robots fight. BattleBots is so cool. Definitely check that out. And if you honestly, 100%, if you are ever in LA and I'm working on a show that's taping, all you got to do is hit me up and you got tickets. Guaranteed. No questions asked. You want to come see a taping of a show uh, that I'm doing? You are cordially invited, 100%. Uh, and if you want to see a show that I'm not taping, we'll find a way to make it work. <laughs> we'll, we'll find a way to make it work. But that that is an open invite to anybody that listens to this podcast. So please. And that also uh, extends to the two of you. If you're ever in, uh, in L.A., definitely uh, come and see a show when we are allowed to get out of our houses. Again. Right. <laughs> so this is the part where we say hello, right? Yeah, exactly. Hi. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Guilty Treasures. You can follow us on Twitter at TreasuresCast. If you have questions or comments, you can send them to us there or via our email, guiltytreasuresCast at gmail.com. But whatever you do, don't try to ford the river. It's just not worth it. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And if you like the show, tell a friend. Or gather an acapella group to sing a catchy pitch of why you think the show is good. Until next time, let the dragon in your heart be happy. Thank you.